Hey guys, Rachel here. So it is officially November. Like, that's crazy, right? The year is almost completely over. I cannot believe how fast, like, 2023 has just, like, come and gone. Um, guys, literally, my anniversary for the podcast is next month on December 22nd is when we make one year with this podcast and it has been a whirlwind. It's been insane. And I want to thank each and every one of you that are maybe new to the podcast or you've been listening since day one. You know, if you're an OG, I definitely appreciate you so much. You have no idea because obviously Going from episode one to 51 is crazy. Like the fact that I've been doing this for literally over 50 weeks is insane, is insane to me. And I appreciate all of you. And obviously that means we're coming up at the end of the year. Everybody's getting ready for the holidays and what do we normally do for holidays, like coming up on January, new New Year's resolutions, right? Well, and I can tell you, for me, new one of my main things that I'm doing to get ready for the holidays is purging so much stuff in my home. My home is filled with up to 18 years worth of stuff, right? So, I mean, I've gotten rid of a lot of things, but there's still some stuff that I still need to get rid of that I want to do before the holidays. And if you're like me, you've got to sell all this stuff and you got to figure out where you're going to sell it at. If that's on Facebook Marketplace or if it's racing related. Yeah, you could do it on Facebook Marketplace, but let's be real you might not get very much traction there. So where else do you go? You go to racingjunk.com and you can sign up for a free account and post on there, or you can buy things on there. You can buy or sell things, you know, whatever you want to do. They have thousands and thousands upon thousands of listings for anything and everything racing related. So go on racingjunk.com and sign up today. And they are the official classified for race wife unfiltered. Welcome to Race Wife Unfiltered, hosted by your favorite bougie race wife, Rachel Thornhill. Every week, she shares stories of her life as a race wife and other women in motorsports, giving them a platform so their voices can be heard. Hey guys, welcome back to Race Wife Unfiltered. I am your host, Rachel Thornhill, and today we have a special guest with us. She's 19 years old from Grantsville, Utah, um, and she is a race car driver. Um, she started out in quarter midgets and now is racing an asphalt 410 wing sprint car. So welcome, and Natalie Waters. Hi, Natalie. Hi. <laughs> 
Oh, thank you for wanting to come on to the podcast and, you know, share your story. I appreciate that. Yeah, of course. I'm happy to do so. So obviously you've been racing for quite some time. I mean, you started when you were six years old. Um, And so, you know, that's extremely young to be, you know, (laughs) racing. And, you know, you were doing quarter midgets already. You know, most Mm -hmm. kids are like starting out in like parts at that time. And you just went like you just full tended (laughs) and just like, you know what? No, we're going to go straight into quarter midgets. It's Uh so so yeah so like so how did y'all get in how did you get started into racing like were your was your family already in racing before you you know before they threw you into it yes so my uncle his name is jimmy waters and he's pretty well known out here at these racetracks around the west coast and he's been racing for over 40 years and so i basically just grew up at the racetrack at rocky mountain raceways in salt lake city and it just became a family affair that we had like four uncles that were racing and then cousins and aunts and it just became this whole thing and i just grew up doing it and then um when i was old enough my grandpa got me started in racing um he drove himself a little bit but for the most part he helped my uncle jim and he crew chief for him his whole life um so he we did actually kind of get started in go-karts but we realized that they really weren't that safe and quarter midgets have the full roll cage and Mm -hmm. everything and he my uncle jim was a big sprint car racer and so my grandpa knew those types of cars a lot better and so that's kind of why we decided to go the the quarter midget route and so i never did any races in the go-kart we just bought one and then did some laps and then sold it and bought a quarter midget (laughs) so that's kind of how that all started yeah well but and also like you did mention yes it is safer to not be in a cart actually you know and go straight into the quarter midget because you do have that full roll cage and with you being so little obviously they were looking at it from the safety aspect Mm -hmm. and you know and honestly i don't blame them but (laughs) it is a lot of car for a child you know? <laughs> Definitely. So, yes. But um, um, so when you were doing the quarter midgets, did you just do that on asphalt too? Or what, or was that on dirt? Um, it was a combination of both. Um, my first race was on dirt um, at the Maverick Center. And we were all, it was like all the kids that were there was their first time racing. And it was literally just like, like nobody had raced on dirt before and there was cars spinning out left and right and kids going the wrong way on the track. Like it was a disaster. And I, they didn't like do any trophies or winnings or anything Mm -hmm. like that. But I like was the only one that didn't spin out and ran the full race. And so I was like, I won because I did all the laps. (laughs) And so we did that. That was my first race. And then, um, it actually is a cool story of how it got started. Um, my, when I started to want to get into the quarter midgets, my, there wasn't a quarter midget series at all in Utah. Oh, okay. And so my grandpa got together with a few of his friends that had kids and their friends that had kids and they got a quarter midget series together and they brought it to the racetrack and talked with the, people there and they ended up getting a quarter midget series started for us kids and 
so yeah and then i they i mainly raced the asphalt um their rocky mountain raceways and then they decided to add a dirt track to rmr and so then we were racing like one weekend on the asphalt and the other weekend on the dirt in the same car and then they wiped out the dirt track and then it was just asphalt from that point forward oh okay okay mm-hmm. yeah so for you though do, did you feel like between dirt and then going to and going to asphalt what like was that a hard transition for you like whenever it came you know to mm-hmm. racing the quarter midget like was did you prefer one over the other or um i liked both in different ways. So mm-hmm. I couldn't like, I couldn't like pick one over the other because uh. I love different things about each of them. Mm-hmm. Um, the dirt was a lot of fun because I liked how the car just kind of turned itself. And I always thought it was almost easier to race on dirt just because the, the car wanted to turn and wanted mm-hmm. to go that way. And then on asphalt, there was less like variability in the car. Like it just was lap after lap after lap where on dirt you know we're sliding this corner and then the next corner we're not and high and low and so it was definitely more exciting um on the dirt and the quarter midget but i liked both equal (laughs) (laughs) yeah and you're right like that's the crazy thing about dirt is that your lines change so quickly Mm -hmm. because i mean with dirt it's just unpredictable but yeah. asphalt's a little bit easier because it's like the track's mm-hmm. gonna kind of be the same way after, you know after so many laps and it's not gonna change on you yeah. like randomly. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that makes sense. But mm-hmm. um, so so when did you end up moving up into the um, the sprint car? So it was a long journey. So I raced quarter midgets from the time I was six until I was 12. Oh. And then um, when I was 12, I also jumped into junior stingers, which is pretty much just a hornet for kids. Um, and because I really wanted to race focus midgets and get onto the big track. And the only way to do that was to run junior stingers first, which I hated. <laughs> <laughs> I came from this world of open wheel racing. Nobody right because you're hopping tires left and right and i got in these hornets and junior stingers and it was like someone's hitting you from behind and now the next person's slamming into you going in the corner and i was like this is not a demolition derby like let's just race and so as soon as i could get out of that i did so i raced those for one year and then i completely got out of the quarter midgets by the time i was 13 and i got my first focus midget and I ran that mainly just at Rocky Mountain Raceways, and I did pretty well. My best finish was third, and we usually had about 14 cars. And then um, we went and raced Vegas at the Bull Ring at the end of the year, and I actually totaled that car. I um, was coming, like I was trying to pass this car in front of me, and I was so focused on that car's line and where he was going that a wreck had happened down the front stretch, and I wasn't paying attention to mm. that. And the guy in front of me saw it. And so he slammed on his brakes and I hopped his tire. Oh. And it sent me like on the side one way and then I landed. And as soon as I landed, like the wreck that had happened, there was one car in the wall and another one spun out backwards. And when, as soon as I landed, I jumped the tire of the car that was facing backwards. Mm. And that's kind of what sent me rolling. And yeah. 
slid across the track into the car that was crashed into the wall upside down. <laughs> and so, and then after that, I bounced down and landed on all four tires and kind of like woke up or something mm -hmm. and realized that my gas was stuck. And so I oh. shut the car off and finally got stopped. And all the safety crew came running up to me and, you know, running methanol, the first thing you're taught is get out as fast as you can yeah. because you can't see a flame if they're on fire. And so that's kind of what I did. The second we got stopped, I was trying to barrel out of the car and mm -hmm. the safety crew came over and they were like, it's okay, buddy. You're all right, bud. <laughs> you're not on fire. And then I took my helmet off and they're like, oh, you're a girl. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, you're, you're fine. And they're like, are you all right? And I took my helmet off and I, I couldn't even see out of the visor because when I landed on that car upside down, his rear tire actually went inside like the top of my car. And so I had tire rubber all down oh. my helmet. And so I couldn't, it was just black rubber all the way across. And then it cracked the helmet in the back. And, but when I pulled my helmet off, the only thing that hurt was I bit my lip. When I oh. And that was it. And so I got out of the car and I, they checked me out in the ambulance and said I was okay and everything. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of how my first year in the midgets went, but we, wow. we got a new car and it was actually Jesse loves car. And so he was pretty big in USAC and now is in ARCA and stuff. And so we knew it was going to be a really good car. Yeah. So we actually were having one built. And then at the same time, that car came up for sale. And so we've got two midgets. And so I had the one we had built as a backup and ran that car that was loves and um, that first year we started traveling more and I was going to Pocatello, Idaho, Meridian, Idaho, and Twin Falls. And then we were also doing Vegas and our home track at Rocky Mountain. And so we were running about 18, 20 races from April to September. And, you know, we weren't really keeping track of points. We were just racing to race. Yeah. And, um, we were making every race in Twin Falls that we could because it was such a fun track. And then we were debating on whether or not to go to the last race. And we got a call um, from the track owner at <laughs> Twin Falls. And he was like, are you guys coming to race this weekend? And we're like, yeah, we're not sure. You know, and he was like, well, I don't know if you know this, but you're in the lead for the championship. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, I guess we'll go then. And so we showed up and I won my first championship when I was nice. 14. Yeah, so that was a lot of fun. And so um, after that, we did it again. Um, and RMR shut down in 2018. Um, so that last season, we just wanted to give everything we could for the track. And so I also jumped into a limited wing sprint car. Um, so a 360. Oh, okay. limited motor and then um it was my uncle jim's car and so i raced that and i was actually on the news on ksl news and abc for being the youngest sprint car driver in the history of utah for that wow <laughs> yeah and so i did pretty well racing both the sprint car and the midget some races i was doing double duties and um i ended up going like on the last race i it was full throttle coming out of the corner just during first practice in the sprint car and my steering wheel came off. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I have never been more scared of yeah. my like, And it came off. I was just like, I didn't know what to do. And I slammed the brake as hard as I could. And I hit the wall head on. 
And um, a guy behind me, his name was Robert Crowther. And he kind of took out the front wing of my car and he felt so terrible that he did that, even though the whole car was totaled from the wall. Nice. <laughs> um i was like it was the last race at rmr and i was just in tears because i was gonna miss the last race at the track mm. i grew up and we pulled into the pits and i was trying to get out of the car and all there's this sprint car sitting in my pits that was robert crowther's without a seat and we're like hey what, what are you doing and he's like well all i know is you are locked or I am locked in for points. And if you don't run this race, then you're going to lose your third place for the season and rookie of the year. So I want you to get in my car. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. And so we took my seat out of my sprint car and put it in his. And I didn't even get, I got like two safety laps in this new car. And then they got, I threw, they threw me out for qualifying. And I went out and broke the track record in his car. And I, he was like, before I even went on the track, he was like, now I just want to let you know, like, this is not a winning car. Like, you're not going to go out there and set the world on fire in this car. It's, it's never won a race. It gets super tight in the corners. Like, I just want you to be able to run. Yeah. Okay. I appreciate it. And we just kind of threw our setup on it and it just woke the car up. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I broke the track record and then I was going to win the heat race and I ran out of gas on the last lap. So I was like yelling at my crew, pit crew for that. I was like, come on, guys, you gotta get it. Right. Like, really, uh, that's how I lose this race yeah. is because I ran out of gas. Yeah. So, and then I was also racing the midget at this like back to back with the sprint car that night. And my uncle Sid actually got into my spare midget and we were doing really good. Like the entire race, him and I were first and second side by side every other lap. And he led every single lap except for the last lap. And we were just side by side coming out of the corner and they didn't like, they were both number one because they were both my cars, you know, on the board. And so we looked up at the board when we crossed the start finish line side by side and it still said one, one. And so we didn't even know who won the race. And so they came on the race receiver and told both of us to pull to the start finish line because they mm -hmm. had to wait for the transponders to read. To oh. see and wow. I actually beat him by two thousandths of a second. Oh my gosh. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 0.002. And then it was just a huge night for us. Mm -hmm. And I had to get in and jump in the sprint car and still run that race. And so I got in the sprint car and then I won that main event as well. And wow. it was just such a, an amazing, memorable night, especially for like the last night that track was open. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so that was how that season ended. And then I, um, RMR shut down and we just focused on the midget because my sprint car was now totaled. And mm -hmm. So we focused on the midget and ran um, Havasu, Arizona, um, Twin Falls again, and then Meridian, Idaho as well. And I actually did really well again and won my second championship in Twin Falls. And that was huge because at that point they had made the Focus Midgets a NASCAR division. And okay. so I actually won a NASCAR division championship. So, yeah, it was pretty cool. And then I actually had another bad wreck that year as well, 
that didn't quite set us back as far, but I, there was a car in front of me. We were just coming to the green flag. And as soon as they dropped the green flag, he didn't go. And so I just went high to go around him. And yeah. when I went high, I barely jumped his rear tire and oh. it went fine. And then when I like landed in the rear end was up in the air, a rookie driver behind me freaked out and hit the gas and the brake all the way to the floor. And he hit yeah. the, the back of my car, which sent me like somersaulting in the air. Mm -hmm. Then I landed back on all four tires. And even after we had landed, like you could still hear his motor at full throttle. And he was just stuck on top of my car. And then we walked past the catch fence and where my tape on the top of my car was up on the catch fence was like 16 feet high. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, I went pretty, pretty high up there. Um, but it really didn't damage the frame at all. Like the, we just had to get a new rear end and pop out the fuel cell where he hit it. And then mm. we just showed up at the next race. <laughs> and I actually like they checked me out in the ambulance and everything and I was okay, but they it was a heat race. And so we still had a main event to go and I was oh, like, oh. okay. And so I asked if I could jump in my spare car and run the main event. And they were like, absolutely not. <laughs> like you just mm -hmm. went through this terrible wreck and you didn't qualify in that car. So you can't do that. And I was pretty upset. Yeah. But so that year was still pretty successful. We still got a few wins, but um, didn't get a third championship. And after that, um, all I really wanted to do is to get to NASCAR. And mm -hmm. so I had talked to a bunch of people and they were like, if all you have under your belt is open wheel, then nobody's going to look at you for NASCAR. I'm like, okay. And so we got into modifieds. Um, Cause my uncle Lynn, he was a big modified driver his whole life. Mm -hmm. And then um, he decided to retire. And so we bought his car cause we knew it was going to be a really good car. And, it was a whole different ballpark trying to learn <laughs> how to drive a modified after racing focus midgets. Yeah. I like had to learn so much throttle control and how to drive a big bodied car and, mm -hmm. and have a spotter. I had never had a spotter before. Yeah. And so, so what type of modified was it? Cause I know there's automatic types. They've got the wheel in and they've got, you know, um, MCA modifieds. They have all different kinds. So what kind of modified? It was in the Wheel in All American series. Oh, okay. Um, so, but it was a, um, a, I think it was a big motor. They weren't quite at the crate motors yet. Oh, okay. It was a big motor modified. So, yeah, that throttle control <laughs> was a lot. It was a, I think it had about six hundred twenty-five horsepower. Um, and so the first time I went on the track, I spun out every corner because I was like, <laughs> where did my tires go? <laughs> now I'm on these skinny treaded tires and I've always yeah. had big, slick, right rears. And so it definitely took me a minute, but I ended up winning one race at the end of the season after we'd figured the car out and gone through issues with it and stuff like that. And I've also won many awards for like the best of class that's kind of one of our goals is if we don't win anything this season we'll win best looking car <laughs> like that, <laughs> that's what we kind of go for um and then i've also won four fan favorite drivers 
awards. And then that year I won most improved driver because we went from spinning out every corner to right. in the last race. So yeah, and that, that was a fun year for sure. Um, and we were just running twin falls, like nothing else, just the twin falls track. Um, and then after that season, we decided to still run the same modified, but a different series. And we won, we ran the, um, speed tour series out here in the West. So we went to Hermiston, Oregon. We were supposed to go to Washington. Um, and then we ran Twin Falls and Meridian. And these, it was a whole different ballpark. Like these, and we went from going from 10 to 14 cars a race to 20 or 25 cars a race. Oh, wow. okay. And it was super competitive. Like some of these drivers are well known <laughs> around the West and stuff. And so it was, it was really cool to run with those guys. And then when we had a big break, cause we weren't running as many races, mm -hmm. um, we would go run a twin falls series race and then do like get a second. We got a second place finish just from the difference of running with those big, big guys to going back to where we started. You could see just how much running in that series progressed me as a driver. Um, but yeah, so I ran that for um, that season and then this year I got into the 410 wing sprint cars because it's always just been a dream of mine. And then they say not to keep you in a series for more than two to three years, because after two to three years, you've already developed that skill. And if you're trying mm -hmm. to get somewhere, you know, you need to now jump into something else at a higher level. And so that's kind of where we were going with it as well. Um, so I got into the 410 wing sprint cars and I, we got my first sprint car or my only sprint car from Brad Hunziker. And, um, I think it was Brian Worf's car that run is pretty big out here in the West. Um, but the first race, I was shocked at how well I did. I, in a, so many people were so nice in that series that, um, I had drivers from that series messaging me, welcoming me to the class and that it was going to be a big success and everything. And it was really cool. Um, and I learned so much in these cars, like being able to adjust the wing from inside of the car. Mm -hmm. And it's just so, so different than my limited wing sprint in ways I didn't think it, that it would be. So it, it's been a really amazing season. I've set a lot of goals for myself and, you know, cause we're not, I don't want to go out and win, win the race, the second race or whatever, but right we got a top 10 and then a top five and then another top five. And then like in the top five qualifiers, I've been already been fast time and practice and stuff like that. And then we went and ran um, Colorado this year <clears throat> in July, which was really cool. It's my first big race. We had about 30 cars show up and it was oh, wow. 10 grand to win. So that yeah. was really cool. Um, and then I actually did better than I thought I would as well there. I finished eighth out of those cars and got pretty good recognition for it. I mean, I was the only female, I've been the only female in every oh, wow. race so far. And they had all the drivers go out onto the track without their cars and took a big group photo. And then we each introduced ourselves and to the fans and we had to say our name, where we're from and one thing about us. And like everyone got claps and stuff every time. And then when I got on the mic, I just said, my name is Natalie Waters out of Grantsville and I'm the girl of the group. And 
everyone just went crazy. And, just, <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. And so it was pretty, pretty big. So I don't know what the, why the world was so different there, but no one had heard of a female sprint car driver. And hmm. like where I normally race, it's not that rare. And right. when I went to Colorado, I, it was like being praised that I was racing these sprint cars and it was really cool, a really cool experience. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really neat that, um, you know, that they were so accepting of you because obviously, mm -hmm. you know, that's just not normal over there, you know, because mm -hmm. obviously they made it seem as if like that was so foreign that a girl was yeah. racing a sprint car. Um, so, so yeah, no, that, that's great that they were so like accepting of you, you know, because mm -hmm. it wasn't normal for them, you know, uh -huh. Yeah. but, um, but as far as like, I know you just started in this rent car. Um, are you planning on sticking with that for quite some time or is, or you're going to eventually like move out of that to something else? Um, I want to stay in them for as long as I can, but right now the goal is to get to the Arca series. Oh, okay. And I've had a few um, little opportunities that like, people have said like, we might have a ride for you in a few years or we mm. might do this. And so I'm kind of on the verge of seeing how that will go. And, okay. um, but as far as the sprint cars, I absolutely love it. And I've raced now against a few people that are pretty well known, like Davey Hamilton. And so it's, and then to get recognized by people like that at these mm -hmm. races too is just crazy. And now I've seen like how much you can get out of sprint car racing versus the modifieds is just insane. Like you get so much publicity for it, especially now with the big races that they're doing. I, I mean, on top of Colorado, I ran the diamond cup this year at Meridian Speedway and we had about 26 cars show up oh, wow. and I, and Meridian is a small track. It's a quarter mile. And so to have that many cars on the yeah. track is insane. But I did pretty well there as well and actually had one of the fastest times. And I I was even shocked. I was like, how that's the clock's not reading right. And like we did not turn that fast of a time. And so it was just crazy. And then to have so many people that just support it is impeccable as well. To pull in the pits and you know, the some of my competitors, they're not throwing their hats down or whatever, walking away, they're mm -hmm. running down to my pit to congratulate me and give me a hug and say, tell me how proud they are. And to know that that's who I'm racing against on the track is right. just such a good feeling to be able to trust, you know, not having that push each other around and stuff like that. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, no, I agree with you. Like the camaraderie is, that's the best thing because then that means, you know, you're, you're definitely around people that are in racing for the right reasons, right? Mm -hmm. Because the ones that tend to get aggravated and mad and stuff all the time, they're not really in it. Like their heart's not truly in it. Like people mm -hmm. that are in racing and like, this is like something that they live and breathe. Like mm -hmm. it's more of a community than, yeah. than, you know, this competition, obviously. Yeah. I mean, you are competing against each other, but you leave that off the track. Like once you're off mm -hmm. the track, you leave that behind. And, yeah, yeah sure. and and unfortunately yeah we do have some people you know but they're the minority in the mm -hmm. racing community that are like that so yeah, yeah it's definitely cool to see the you know like classes that a lot of people feel they can just jump into with no mm -hmm. prior racing experiences 
are so different than like these sprint car classes that take, you know, talented drivers and heads up drivers mm -hmm. that are well respected. And it's just insane to see the difference in attitude and the people that mm -hmm. I'm racing against. Like, yeah. I've, I've had like even encounters in the modifieds where like we were struggling, you know, as our first race in a modified ever. And, um, my brakes were really bad for some reason. Mm. Like every time I touched the brakes, the car would want to spin out out of control and we couldn't figure it out. And so I was trying just to slow down so I didn't have to use so much brake right. going into the corner. But you know, that green flag drops on a start and you <laughs> side by side, you got to give it all you got. Yeah. And so that's what I did. And I ended up spinning out and taking the car out on my inside with me. And mm. it was just a complete accident, but he, was pretty upset with me. Yeah. We, were, we were in the back together and he actually came down to my pit and he was like pointing his finger in my chest and telling me how I don't belong here. And a bunch of, he's like, you didn't have to race me like that in the back of the pack. And I just kept trying to explain that that's not what right. happened. Yeah. And he just kept talking over me and telling me I don't belong and I shouldn't be here if I can't handle the car. And then finally my grandpa was like all right she listened to you now you're gonna listen to what she has to say and i just said like look sir I'm, I'm really sorry that you happened to be there but we've been struggling with our brakes all day and every time i touch him the car wants to spin and that's just what happened i'm really sorry it ended up taking you with us but my i had no intention of taking you out and he just kind of said well if you can't handle it then you shouldn't be here and then he walked off and then the next race, a few races later, he showed back up and I lapped him. And I was like, <laughs> I went back, I asked my grandpa, I was like, would it be bad if I, can I like, can I just walk down there and shake his hand and be like, I just want to let you know that I do belong here. And like, and I, now I've proved it. And he yeah. was like, yeah, go do it. And I like went to walk down there and he was gone, <laughs> but it's definitely, you run into some people that to me, like I'm five foot one, look like I'm 12 half the time. Like <laughs> Some grown man's going to come down and be like, yeah. <laughs> it's just crazy. But, yeah. No. And, and he, first of all, like number one, he shouldn't have gotten in your face with you being a woman, period. Mm -hmm. Like you don't do that. But yeah. two, yeah, I mean, he's probably way older and like pretty much you're you're practically a child to him, mm -hmm. you know, and it's like you're bullying a kid. Like, why yeah. are you doing that? Like, yeah, I don't I don't understand that at all. But yeah, that yeah. would have been funny, though. That would have been an amazing story to tell <laughs> if you would have actually like caught him while he was down there and did that. That would have been hilarious. Yeah. And what was funny, too, about it was he was actually missing his middle finger oh, and wow. on the racetrack he went to flip me off and he used like his ring finger because he didn't have a middle finger oh. and i so like in the midget series we were all best friends and family and so mm -hmm. every time we'd see each other wrecked we'd ask like hey are you okay like with the thumbs up and we'd give each other thumbs up to let us yeah, <laughs> know that we were okay and i couldn't figure out what he did because he didn't have a middle finger and so i like went yeah I'm okay <laughs> I gave him a thumbs up and then after the fact I realized like he meant to flip me off and I gave him a thumbs up <laughs> like that's probably <laughs> like, he probably did not like that appreciate that very much <laughs> yeah <laughs> but, yeah it was a 
it was a funny experience. It's the only one I've had with anything like that though. So it's been pretty good. Yeah. But it, it, yeah. Like, and like we've been saying, like, it, it just shows the type of people that you, that you race around. Like once mm-hmm. you notice, like once you start moving up into like other divisions, especially like higher up divisions, you start to see that it's not going to really be like that. Like you might have one or two people that are just off and they're just like that. But Mm -hmm. for the most part, you're not going to have a lot of that. You're going to have people that are willing to help you or, or, you know, or reach out to you if you need something or or whatever. And because I mean, we, you know, we deal with that here, you know, um, you don't really have a ton of people that go out and like fight in the pits, you know, because it's like, yeah, you see it in certain divisions, like the smaller classes, you know, some of Mm -hmm. them, because that's just people that are just starting out. And a lot of them just have like really bad tempers for some reason. But Uh like when you get into like, like my husband, he, he drives a dirt, like crate late model. And Mm -hmm. you don't, those guys, they don't do that. Like whenever you get off the track, like, they're gonna they're coming up and apologizing to each other if they mm-hmm. like took each other out on accident or whatever and stuff and they're always helping each other out like mm-hmm. i mean there's so many of them like literally come to my house all the time and they're like hey you you said you had like this extra part can i have mm-hmm. it or whatever like yeah like mm-hmm. it's yeah. none of that even matters anymore so yeah, yeah i it, it's just i don't know it's like some of these smaller divisions is just the type of environment like the type of people that get into it i don't know like they just tend to not and i think it's because they're newer to the community and Mm -hmm. i think that's why like it's just different but most of these guys that like my husband's been racing with or whatever like they've been doing this for years you know i mean they've been racing forever you know like one of the guys that he races against is literally the track owner and he's in his (laughs) 80s yeah, and he goes out there and literally kicks these guys' asses almost every single week, you know. And it's like, but yeah, but like he, like he jumped in my husband's car one weekend because he's like, I can just see he's like something is wrong with your car. He's like, mm-hmm. I don't know what it is, but something is up. He's like, Do you mind if I get in it and try and like run it real quick, you know, a couple laps and see if maybe I can figure it out for you? Mm-hmm. Like he didn't have to do that. Yeah, he's like, I know something's wrong with your car because I see you going into the turns and your car is not supposed to do that. <laughs> um, but at the same time, my husband thought it was just him because my husband came from sprint cars. He did mm-hmm. a sprint. He was he moved from a sprint car to a, a dirt late model. So he thought it was just him and like his driving style because he was still trying to unlearn things. Okay. No, there was actually something wrong with the car. Yeah, we actually, we had an issue just like that. <laughs> My first year in the Modifieds, um, I thought it was me because I've been racing mm-hmm. midgets for so long. Right. And then we, my uncle Lynn got back in it because it was his car and he mm-hmm. knows what it's supposed to feel like. And he got out of the car and the first thing he said was, that car is effed up. <laughs> and, <he was> like, <laughs> and they're like, really? And he's like, you can't even drive straight. And then we found out that my, um, like, so the spring bucket, mm-hmm. there's a hole um, above it from the frame. And every time that spring would compress, it would get stuck underneath that bolt oh. and it wouldn't be able to come back up. And so that's why the car would push all the time. And then mm-hmm. and I 
get on the gas or get on the brakes and that spring comes off that bolt and then that's when that car starts swinging around in circles and we could never figure it out and yeah. there was a few times that the track owner helped us and was like okay let's just take all this cross out of the car to the point where it should feel like you're on mm -hmm. ice and see what it does and they did that and i was like it's still tight and they were like that is yeah. not possible and then we no. finally figured it out because <laughs> of all the people that tried to help us yeah yeah and see and that's how it's supposed to be you know people helping mm -hmm. each other like that like he didn't have to jump in my husband's car but mm -hmm. then he was like oh yeah he's like no your car something's wrong <laughs> he's like i still can't figure out what it is but yeah mm -hmm. so it's your car it's not you um yeah. and so then that made my husband feel a lot better because he just thought he was just he's like i've never driven this bad ever. Yeah. <laughs> like it was it was making him mad because he's like I've never been this bad of a driver. Like he was starting yeah. to really think that like he just could not drive anymore. And mm -hmm. and then when he got that confirmation, he's like, okay, so it is something wrong with the car and it's not me. Yeah. You know? Because he yeah. just could not figure it out. And he's like, I've been like making changes to the car and I cannot figure out why it's still not working. But yeah, yeah. we ended up having it to bring it to uh, somebody that we knew and they and they helped him like go through it and they figured it out. But, um, and I don't even remember what he said it was, but yeah, but it's the fact that like, they were like, yeah, no, you're not a bad driver. Like, that's <laughs> yeah. not what it was. It's like, cause he, yeah. was, he was just so frustrated. He's like, <laughs> yeah. no, I'm not that bad of a driver. Like, I don't know why. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. So he was starting to question himself as a driver. He's like, cause my husband's been racing since he was eight. So, mm -hmm. you know, he was like, and he's like, that I could be this bad. Like, he's like, Am I really this rusty? Like, I mean, I know I haven't been in a car in a while, but I mean, mm -hmm. I know I can't, I can't be that bad. Like, because I mean, when he was in the sprint cars, like, that was simple for him. You know, like, it, 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 he was fine. Like, he was running, winning races all the time. Like, it didn't, but for him, he felt like eventually it, it ended up not being a challenge for him. Mm -hmm. Like my husband loves challenges. And so like he was, but also the sprint cars around here pretty much stopped running. So we were having to travel out of the state all the time because nobody was running them here. And yeah. so he was like, well, it, it would be best for me to just get something that I know that I could run every weekend here and we don't have to travel all the time. And mm -hmm. so a late model was pretty much the only other thing that he would have wanted to race because it was either that or going to like a pure stock or street stock. And he didn't want that. He, he, he didn't want to race those type of cars. So he was like, I'll, I'll go into a late model. And we've been doing that for about right at three years now. Mm -hmm. And, um, I mean, he's gotten so much better with it, but he's also gotten a better car because <laughs> that, <laughs> car, that car that he was running in. No, it's, <laughs> it's being sold right now. Um, yeah. and so, yeah, now he's not like never again, <laughs> <laughs> so he got a new car. And so that car is what he raced this season, the new one. And yeah, totally different. And, yeah. and that's what it was. It was the car that he had. It wasn't like, it just didn't, it was, it's a car that is not being made anymore. Mm -hmm. And so the company that made it isn't going out of business. 
And so they're not really helping people, you know, and a lot of people don't have them around here. So it's like my husband really couldn't get a ton of help because it's like everybody here is like on a rocket or they're on, you know, um, some people are on longhorns, but not really. Mm -hmm. It's mainly rocket around here or black diamond. And so that's pretty much it. And so he Uh went and got a rocket because he's like, okay, if I'm on a rocket chassis, then everybody I know was on rocket. So I could literally get help. Mm -hmm. So that's why he did that. And yeah, and like it was, it's a night, it was a night and day difference. Like how he's running now compared to what he was running before. Because before he was always in the back. He was always pretty much almost finishing dead last. Mm -hmm. And now he's always like in the top five. You know, he might not be first, but he'll at least be like it, like fourth, fifth, maybe Mm -hmm. sixth if it's a bad night. But he's actually running towards the front of the front of the field. And he before then he there was no way. He was always in the back. Yeah. It makes a huge difference. Yeah, I know. And it's crazy. Like Utah right now has no racetracks for Mm -hmm. asphalt ovals. And so we're constantly having to travel to I mean, Twin Falls is our closest and it's still four hours away. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was as soon as RMR closed down, it was like insane. And we do have like a road course track Mm -hmm. um, called Utah Motorsports Campus. And it's only 10 minutes from our house, but they refuse to build an oval track. Oh, okay. So it's it's really hard to have to travel Mm -hmm. so far and. Like we can't even just switch classes or anything. And the only way to stay here would be to switch to dirt. And, you know, we're asphalt racers. Right. We don't, we don't yeah. know that much about dirt and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, it's hard to have to travel so far every race or even just to fire a motor or get practice. We have to drive four hours. Yeah, no. And and see, and that that's how it would be for anybody here that wants to race asphalt. There's no asphalt here anymore it's crazy we used to have one um but that's six hours from here (laughs) you know it's at the very top of the state Mm -hmm. um but then what they did was they closed it down for a while and then they they put dirt on it and it was an amazing track the the world outlaws actually came and ran Mm -hmm. on it before it closed um and then they closed it down again, so now it's closed. But the closest asphalt oval is Mobile, Alabama, which is like <laughs> almost, that's almost eight hours from here. Yeah. Um, it's like, I think it's like right at about seven and a half hours from here. Yeah. yeah. So if you are somebody that wants to race asphalt, you either have to do that or you have to go um, to Texas. You know, yeah. like, that would be it. Because there's not there's nothing there's nothing here. Um, mm-hmm. They might have something. I don't know if they have an asphalt oval in Mississippi anywhere. If they do, it's probably north Mississippi, which is gonna be about five six hours from here. Yeah. You know, but um, mm-hmm. I'm not sure. But um, we have one road course, and that's Nola Motorsports, which is in New Orleans. That's about 45 minutes from here. But mm-hmm. that's it. Like if you're going to race asphalt, you can, you, you literally have to like leave here and either go to Florida or Alabama pretty much to be able to, or maybe in Texas, you know, depending on like how far you want to go, but that's it. Like you Mm -hmm. could not race asphalt here because it's all dirt 
And then we don't even really have any dirt tracks left. Like most of our dirt tracks have closed like down here at the very bottom of Louisiana. We only have one dirt track left. That's it. It's crazy. And that's Baton Rouge. And that and Baton Rouge is 20 minutes from us. Um, mm-hmm. So that's our local track. You know, that's our home track. But there was one that was like two hours away. Um, they closed down in the middle of the season. They just all oh, of a sudden geez. just said, we're closing. That's like, crazy. Okay, yeah. That's really weird. But yeah, and, and then there was one in Mississippi, Pike County, that was in Magnolia. That's right across the state line. So it's like two hours really for us. Mm-hmm. They, they're, with them, they're, it's weird because technically they're not closed, but then they are. Like if you're willing to fork out the money to like practically rent the track for the re- weekend, mm-hmm. then they'll run something. But other than that, they're not running. Like it's just sitting dormant. Um, and then the other ones that we have are towards the top of the state. So you'd have to drive anywhere from five to six hours to get to them. And so crazy. We, just can't, we just can't do that because most uh-huh. of them race on Fridays. Yeah. So there's no way we could make it five, six hours up there, you know, especially mm-hmm. with us working. Like we no, we'd have to literally take the whole day off and drive all the way up there. So, yeah. yeah. It's just not feasible for us. And yeah, it's just, it's crazy how it's dying around here. Like it used to not be that way. But. Yeah, it is crazy. And even like some of the people that travel is insane too. Like um, I just ran the Pink Lady Classic out here in Meridian and it's $30,000 to win. And so we had about 36 cars show up. Hmm. Um, and some of them were from like Indiana and like Florida and wow. it was crazy. The amount of people that traveled so far, I know we had at least two or three racers from Canada that came and raced and it was just insane to see how putting that much money up just brought every yeah. sprint car driver there and to race against those sprint car drivers and do well was also insane. We ran a hundred laps, um, and they broke it into segments. Oh, okay. The first segment was 38 laps. And then after the 38 laps, they invert the top 10. Oh, okay. Then that you do the next 38 laps. And then they only take the top 10 drivers to run the final laps to get to the hundred. And yeah and so it was insane and like the first 38 laps because meridian is a very tight track and it's mm-hmm. it's scary when you get that many sprint cars out there yeah that's a lot yeah it's known for wrecks i'm pretty sure we had about five cars at least that were totaled and mine was almost one of them um but yeah in the big it's a two-night show mm-hmm. and um friday you have to make the race and they only like when we do qualifying they only take the first person the top and then everybody else has to race in and so i was supposed first they do heat races and then they do the c main the b main and then they do a lap dance and so i ran the heat race and i had to finish within like the top four and so i was racing pretty hard in the guy behind me we're usually about the same speed if he's not mm-hmm. faster and 
so he was really, really pushing me hard from behind. And I was trying to keep him behind me and race hard. And then we both just went in the corner and his throttle stuck. And oh, wow. he just like drove through me, took us both to the wall. And I mean, honestly, as bad as it was, if he wouldn't have taken me with him, then he really would have hit the wall so like insanely hard. Yeah. It was yeah. probably in all as bad as it was, it was a good thing that he took me with him for his sake. And so like, even before I was even out of the car, like we were still on the racetrack and he was out of his car and down at my car asking if I was okay. And just apologizing left and right. Cause we're, he was that guy that welcomed me to the group mm, okay. on my first race. And he just felt so terrible. And we had to pull the whole car apart and the frame was bent and we thought we were done. And now we finished last for the heat race and didn't make the race. And we can't run the C main because the car's broken to pieces. Yeah. <laughs> we had to put the whole car back together and we just re-squared the car. So even though the frame was bent, all the tires and everything were in the right places and they said it would be fine. And so I went out and ran the last chance which was five cars and you have to win in order to make the race oh, okay. one spot left. And so I knew I had to give it all I got and the green flag dropped and I went around the outside and won the race and made it into the pink lady. But being the last one to make it in, I had to start at very, very last of yeah. 22 cars. And I actually made it up to eighth place at one point. And then we had a few cautions. That second segment was insane. We had wrecks left and right. I'm pretty sure we had five red flags. Um, it was, oh, wow. it was crazy. And then we finally made it through that 38 segment and I was going to make it to the top 10 to move on to the final lap. So the hundred and I got hit from behind and he took us both to the wall down all the way down the back stretch oh. and it, he was out of the race and then the track owner came to me and was like do you want us to push start you again or push you in the pits and i'm sitting in the car and i was like i can't see it you tell me like how bad is it <laughs> like we don't have spotters and he was yeah. like um he's like can you turn left and right and i like turned the steering wheel he's like i think it's okay and I was like, all right, then push start me and I'll see how it feels and yeah. decide to pull the pits or not. And he push started it and it felt fine, good enough to finish the race. And so that's what I did. And I just barely didn't make the cut for the final 10. Wow. I finished um, 12th out of those 20 or in total, like 36 cars. And just the recognition I got from that was insane with all those big heavy hitter drivers and yeah stuff like that and so that was my last race and the car is now down at grip suspension and design and twin falls getting repaired getting a new down tube and everything and then it'll get powder coated and we'll get it ready for las vegas in december which is oh, gonna okay. be insane it's called the open wheel showdown being put on by dv hamilton and they're expecting 75 race cars to show up oh, for the wow. series. And then they're also running super modifieds and um, full midgets down at the bull ring. And it's $50,000 to win. So 
we're really excited to be there for that and see who's supposed to show up. There's been rumors of Tony Stewart going to be there and a whole bunch of drivers that will just yeah. be so cool to race against them. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, well, and the fact that they're racing in December, because, you know, most, most, most uh, other states are not racing in December no. at all. <laughs> you know, uh-huh. there's no way that they would be racing in December. Um, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that's really cool that, you know, that you guys still can kind of almost race year round. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, for us, there's no way we'd be able to race in December. It gets, mm-hmm. it, it, most people would be like, in Louisiana, though, does it really get that cold? It actually does. It actually gets pretty pretty cold starting <laughs> in October, like at mm-hmm. the end of October. Um, so that's why our, our season is the middle of March to the end of October. Like, that's yeah. it. like we don't our, go any further than that. Yeah. Our normal season is April to September up in okay. Idaho and Salt Lake. And then they always just do one race in Vegas or Havasu, Arizona, between the end of November and January. Yeah, but they have the weather to do that. Though. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, you actually... know, it's yeah, you don't want to go down to Vegas in July or nothing. It's no, no, because actually at that time it's actually tolerable. You know, November, December yeah. time. It's like it, it's still hot, but it's not it's not so bad that you're like, Oh my gosh, I'm melting. I cannot do this. Yeah. Especially running methanol and stuff. You know, we got all those layers and we actually, um, to talk about safety, we're one of the only sprint cars that has a fire extinguishing system. And it's actually really cool. Um, cause my grandpa, his number one is safety. Mm -hmm. He's been on fire before with the methanol and Oh, okay. you think because I'm so young and you just it would kill him if I got hurt because mm-hmm. we we didn't do everything we could with safety. And so we have a fire suppression system oh. where it goes off on its own. If it gets a certain temperature in the car, mm-hmm. it will go off on its own, but it doesn't extinguish the fire. It sucks the oxygen away from the fire. Oh, so, OK. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, I haven't seen it in action, but it's. Well, it, but that's a good thing, though. Yeah. You know, that you haven't had to use it, right? Yeah. So, but it's, it's good to know that you have it, you know. But yeah, no, it's always good that you have not used it yet. Yeah. That means that you're, you know, you're safe and that you haven't mm-hmm. had a bad enough accident for that to happen. So. Yeah. I've, and I've had some really, really rough wrecks and. What gets me is like people that won't let their kids race or are scared to race because of mm-hmm. the accidents that can happen. And like my little brother p- plays football and he's had at least four to five concussions. And right. I've wrecked all these times and rolled cars and hit walls and I've been just fine. Right. <laughs> so exactly. What I like to talk about is don't be afraid of it because there is so much safety that goes into mm-hmm. it now in just the technology that we have these days, it's racing a car is safer than driving down the freeway. And it's crazy. It is. And yeah, and like you said, it's like, you know, people will be like, oh no, I'd never put my kid in a car. But yeah, but like your your son is getting his head pummeled into the ground because mm-hmm. he's, you know, a football player and okay. he's had how many concussions and that's causing major brain damage. Like, mm-hmm. 
you know, that technically that's not safer, you know, but yeah, I don't know. It's like, I guess people automatically assume because of car accidents and things like that, Mm -hmm. I guess they kind of like put those two together, but Mm -hmm. they don't realize how much stuff is inside of a race car that you don't have in a regular yeah I, th- I think that's really what it is is like you don't mm-hmm. realize how much safety stuff is in a is in a race car because yeah no like you can't even compare the two like it's no. nowhere near the same yeah no not at all yeah i i've never been one to leave my belts a little loose so it's more comfortable or anything like that i'm like suck it down till i can barely breathe like oh, yeah that device all that yeah yeah Yeah. exactly yeah that that's something that and i mean oh there are i mean there's still people that do that you know i mean there are especially Mm -hmm. some of these older drivers that have been doing that forever and they're just like you know what i've done this forever so yeah, <laughs> it hasn't killed me yet, right? Yeah. but it's like no, like really, yeah. just like just really, just think about it. Like it's not, mm-hmm. it's not worth your life, you know. Like it's not worth it, like to just have a belt strap just like a little bit tighter than what you normally have it, you know. Yeah, and it like the cars, the cars have gone so much faster and now have so much mm-hmm. more horsepower than this than they had when safety was first being issued. Like if right. you even though you raced for so long and we're fine. Like now these you're going double the speed and mm-hmm. twice as many cars. Like it's, it's important for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and no, I mean, no matter what you're in, it's like, you know, definitely like make sure, I mean, like, like when you mentioned about how like your helmet, cracked, like, Oh my gosh, you wouldn't have like a specific type of helmet. Mm-hmm. That would have been your head, you know, like right. that, you know, that's scary. It's like the fact that you, but you were fine because you had that helmet on, you know? Right. So, I mean, yeah, safety stuff is there for a reason. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, I still don't understand that. I'm like, it's, <laughs> it's just, just wear it. It's better with the Hans device. So many people that refuse to wear them. Like, yeah. No, like that's one thing my husband made sure of. He's like, I am getting Hans device, even though like technically in like the late models they don't have to have them, um, you know, because that's just you know that's mainly for like sprint cars and you know certain mm-hmm. types of cars to have it. He's like, no, I'm having one. Like he mm-hmm. and so he has a Hans device and he will not race without it. Yeah, um, oh, I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's not like it was required, but he didn't care. Mm-hmm. He was like, no, I'm wearing a Hans device. Like, yeah, and that's how I was too with my fireproof underclothes as well. Like even in the modifieds, they're like, you know, you don't have to wear those. It's like 100 degrees. I'm like, it just because it's not methanol doesn't mean it's not going to catch fire. Like, right. I'd rather be a few degrees hotter than be on fire at some point. And, so it's yeah. definitely, it's worth the extra safety measures for sure. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. But yeah, no, like, I mean, it sounds like you are having an amazing career in the sprint cars 
And, mm-hmm. and, and honestly, I wish you the best of luck because it sounds like you're, you know, you're doing extremely well and mm-hmm. like, and go out there, you know, <laughs> and this huge race, it just, just like run through that field you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. like I, I, that's just amazing and and i'm really happy for you and yeah Thank and you. what you mentioned about arca you know that being kind of like your next step yeah mm-hmm. I, mean, I hope somebody does pick you up because obviously i mean you have you have the stats to prove it i mean you know you're an amazing driver and you know mm-hmm. they, anybody should be happy to have you yeah, thank you so much. <laughs> You're welcome. And um, and for everybody listening, um, I will be linking all of Natalie's social media, all of that, so you guys can follow her on her racing journey because she's obviously doing a lot of things and racing, you know, as much as possible. You know, um, and obviously we we're definitely going to want to see what the car looks like. It's out of the shop, you know. I know I'm sure there's gonna be pictures of it, you know, of when course. it comes out. So yeah, we definitely want to see what it looks like. And um, and yeah, and if you guys are going to be in that area, definitely go out there and support her, you know, whenever that race happens. So I'm 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 sure you're gonna hear about it like all over the place because it's a major it's a major money race, you know, they're gonna be promoting the hell out of it. I can promise you. So yeah. <laughs> But yes. no, thank you again for coming on and sharing your story. I really appreciate yeah. it. And yeah, and obviously, you know, letting more people know more about you and like what you're doing and, you know, all the opportunities that, you, that you've got coming up. So yeah, thanks for having me on here. It was a pleasure. <laughs> no problem. Okay, guys, that is it. I hope you enjoyed that episode. And also special shout out to Ladies of Motorsports Magazine, for bringing Natalie onto the podcast. Um, I appreciate that. And, um, and definitely guys check out ladies of motorsports magazine. Um, they are obviously in the show notes every single week because they are one of our biggest supporters. And so we support them and, um, definitely check out their social media as well. Um, I'll put that in the, in the resources as well. So you guys can check them out, check out their website. They have, um, so many different products and also their neck, their issue, their first magazine issue will be coming out really soon. Um, and if you are somebody that is in the motorsports industry, a woman in the motorsports industry, whether you're like a car builder, you're a driver, whatever that, whatever you do, if you want to contribute to the magazine, they do have open submissions for articles and things like that. And also if you are a brand that, you know, a business that wants to support women in motorsports and be a part of that magazine, uh, you can, purchase ads within their magazine, or if you purchase a sponsorship package through us, you automatically get an ad in their magazines as well. So, um, and in multiple issues, I should say. Um, so no matter how you want to go about supporting ladies and motorsports magazine, there is plenty of ways to do that. And like I said, their, their website will be in, it is, in the show notes, it's in it every single week and definitely 
uh, support them as much as you support me. Because like I said, um, they are a major supporter of us. So we want to make sure that they get all the support and love that they deserve. So, um, so yeah, guys, so that is it for this week. Um, and, uh, next week you'll have to tune in to see who's going to be next. But if you are a VIP section newsletter subscriber, you would already know who is the next guest because, um, being a part of the newsletter, you automatically get all that insight before everybody else. So you will know who is going to be um, the guest for the next week. And also you get to listen to the episode the night before. So, um, so yeah, guys, definitely check out the newsletter. I will have that link in the show notes as well. So that is it for me, guys. Uh, take care, have a great rest of your week and go out and manifest your best life. Bye.